Thank you for joining us today. No doubt about it, God speaks to His children. That gut feeling we sometimes refer to is God speaking to His children through the indwelling Holy Spirit. Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. When we incline our entire being to Him, we will recognize the different ways He speaks to us. And when He speaks and we obey, He will order each moment of our lives, and we will be blessed and be a blessing beyond human comprehension. Have Bible pen and paper handy. How can you uh, conclude that there is no, no God? Surely, Psalms 19.1 sums it up. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. If God didn't create it, then if he didn't, then who did? You, know, you, you don't walk down the road and find a watch and just say that watch just evolved there. <laughs> You know, they don't even make sense. You say, you stupid. You know, that, that, oh, that watch, it just, it just evolved and got there. Uh-uh. If there's a watch, there's a watch maker. You wear glasses, there's a, huh? Glass maker. You wear contacts, there's contact maker. You got teeth, there are teeth. You, <laughs> maker. But then when it comes to creation, it evolved. It evolved. Adam and Eve came from monkey. Monkey see, monkey do, monkey get in trouble too. Excuse the English, but I ain't came from no monkey. No gorilla either. I came from God. Won't y'all say amen? I came from almighty God. Do you not know? Let me give you something. When he created Adam and Eve, he did not create little itsy bitsy babies. When he created them, he created them fully mature. Fully mature. Fully mature. They, 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 they didn't go from children on up. Now, Cain and Abel, they were the, they were the first children born of, of them, uh, which, 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 which means that God can take something and make it whole fully. And it's done just like that. The world don't have to be 15 billion zillions old. Why don't y'all say Amen. Fully, fully. He made stars. He made the sun. He made the moon. That same sun he made is still there doing his job. Matter of fact, the, the sun does its work when you don't. B, God has revealed himself through his word. God has revealed himself through his word. John 5.39 says, you search the scriptures For in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me. The scriptures testify that Jesus is God. They testify of him. The Old Testament talks about the Lord, the Messiah. The New Testament talks about the Messiah. 
Second Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. God breathe, breathe out by God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Scriptures reveal God, you see. Then God is revealed through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word, what, was God. God is revealed through the Lord Jesus Christ. John 1, 14 says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, the glory of as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. God is revealed through his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew 17, 5 also says, While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice come out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear him! God validates his own son. God is revealed through the Lord Jesus Christ. Beloved, I submit to you today that I believe God with all of my heart, soul, and strength. And if you don't believe him, the scripture says that you are a fool. Psalms 14, one says, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Jonah 3, 5a says, so the people of Nineveh believed God. Beloved, can that be said of you? Do you believe God? That's how revival comes. It starts with believing God. Secondly, how do you know when genuine revival comes? Obedience to God's word is a sure sign of genuine revival. Obedience to God's word is a sure sign of revival. Uh, look at uh, Jonah chapter 3, verse 5 in the text. It says, so, so the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a fast, and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. The king and the Ninevites obeyed God without procrastination. They obeyed God without rebellion. They humbly submitted to the preaching of Jonah and took immediate actions without excuses. And yet so many Christians today are filled with excuses instead of implementing the word of God so that they can grow spiritually, so they can bear fruit spiritually and be committed to the cause of Christ through availability. When you have been revived, you are available. It bothers you when you don't make a meeting, a ministry meeting you're supposed to be at. When you've been revived, you have a passion for servanthood. You don't sit in the church for months and years and do absolutely nothing for God when God is doing and has done everything for you. What are you doing in the services of our Lord? There is a coming day of accountability when you will stand before God and be judged according to your works. And God will say to you, what works? You see, when you implement the word of God, he ignites your passion for him. He ignites your passion for him. So secondly, obedience to God's word is a sure sign of of revival. Why call me Lord and believe not what I say? If you love me, you will obey me. 
And partial obedience is rebellion. Why don't you say amen? Thirdly, genuine revival comes when there is a deep inner searching of one's own heart and life. Genuine revival comes when there is a deep inner searching of one's own heart and life. Jonah 3.6 says, Then word came to the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne and laid aside his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. Then Psalms 139.23-24 also says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And look at this, underline this, and see if there be any wicked way in me. All of us got some wicked ways about us that we need to deal with. Search me, Lord, and lead me in the way everlasting. Now, listen, I personally believe that as the king sat in ashes, stripped of his royal clothing, he was doing some serious soul searching and grieving over his own sins and wicked ways. He was not the least bit concerned about his palace. The king wasn't talking about his chariots as he sat in ashes. He wasn't talking about his horses as he sat in ashes. He didn't even care about what the surrounding kings and nations bordering him would even say as he sat in ashes. And some of you can't obey God because you're worried about what people are going to say and what they think. This king could care less. He was shook up. When was the last time you did some serious inner soul searching before the Lord? identifying anything that is wicked within you. Then once you identified, specifically naming the name, don't say forgive me of all my sins. You didn't commit them all at one time. And God will bring them up one by one. He'll bring them up to your memory. He'll bring them into your memory so that you can deal with them. Name it. Then renounce the sin, repenting of the sin, turning from it to Christ. And pleading the blood of Jesus over it for a personal spiritual cleansing. That's revival, folk. Some folk who think they're all right are a hot mess. I can only imagine that Jonah was astonished when the unexpected happened. When he preached, he wasn't attacked by the Ninevites, who are a ruthless nation. He wasn't scorned, mocked, he wasn't ridiculed, nor did he receive death threats from a people who had no regard for human life. The king and his people covered themselves in sackcloth as a symbol of their deep contrition, remorse, and self-humiliation. They cried out mightily to God and turned from their violent and evil ways. When we hear the truth about ourselves like the king of Nineveh and his people, we too need to be humble and face the truth about ourselves as individuals and as a nation. Only when the king was convicted by the preaching of Jonah did he realize how vile he was, how wicked he was, and how corrupt his nation was. The king became aware that Nineveh was a bloodthirsty, corrupt nation who did not care about her depraved condition. 
What happens when genuine revival comes? Genuine revival ushers in deep contrition, remorse, humility, and brokenness before the Lord. Genuine revival ushers in deep what? Contrition, remorse, humility, and brokenness before the Lord. Jonah chapter 3, verses 7 through 8 says, And he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man or beast herd nor flock taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink water. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily to God. Yes, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hand. I got a question. Where is the praying today? Where is the brokenness amidst God's people? Where is the self-humiliation? I'm not talking about the world. We don't expect the world to do this. I'm talking about people who say they're born again. Where's the grieving and mourning over our sins? Where is the crying out to God and surrendering our lives and will to Christ as believers in the Lord's church today? This is the reason there are so many churches in America that are weak, anemic, lukewarm, Cold and even spiritually dead. Second Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Finally, but not the least, a true sign of revival is when we are ever so aware of God's impending judgment toward our wicked behavior. Get that now, write every word of that down. A true sign of revival is when we are ever so aware of God's impending judgment toward our wicked behavior. Isaiah 13, 11 says, I will punish the world for its evil, the wicked for their sins. I will put an end to the arrogance of the haughty and will humble the pride of the ruthless. The king of Nineveh, knowing how wicked he and his nation really were, responded favorably to Jonah's message from God in hopes that he would change his mind from his fierce anger, which would cause Nineveh to perish. He said, how do you know that? Because of Jonah chapter 3, verse 9, which says, Who can tell? Perhaps even yet God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. How spiritually refreshing it would be if God's people today would respond favorably to the preaching of God's word as did the king and his people. Many cannot receive God's word today. Why? Because they get their best sleep in church. They they can't get revived today. Many don't get saved today because they are reading text messages unrelated to the scripture in the software of the technology. No wonder there's no revival because of thinking about what they're going to do after the worship celebration. What restaurant you're going to go to? What, what, 
What game is on? Man, he's preaching too long. We got to get out of here. Cowboys on. Some of you say it's not the Cowboys. Well, the, I'm hungry. Whatever. You don't experience revival. You know why some don't, re, don't get saved? Some in the church uh, stay unrevived. It's because they ignore and suppress the word of God. That's dangerous. You know, you know why people don't get revived in, in the church? Saints who say they love the Lord. Because they assume what is being said is from someone else. I wish Joe was here. That message had his name all, all over it. Joe, where Joe? Joe, Joe. I, now, we got some Joes here. I'm not talking about you, okay? I'm trying to make up another name. You know, uh, I, I just wish Ecclesiastes was here. How about that? I don't think nobody's name is Ecclesiastes. Oh, that preacher had his number. I don't know why Ecclesiastes had to be absent today. Message is always for somebody else. Nothing for you. You know why people don't get changed? You know why they don't get revived? Here it is. They critique the message, the sermon, instead of critiquing themselves. Oh, he misquoted a scripture here. He didn't say that. Oh, he could have done this this way. He looks a little tired. He looks a little winded today. Well, he, oh, Pastor had a heart. Don't, don't, don't pity me. I didn't come up here with a hard luck story. That's right. When I'm ready to preach, I'm ready to preach. And you know why some folk don't get changed? Because they are professional critiquers. And they walk out of the church. They critique the song. They critique the prayer. They critique the stage. They critique the thermostat. They critique the restroom. They critique the nursery. They critique the preacher. He split a verb. He could have said this. That was a slightly, that reference wasn't quite right. Well, who? I told somebody just the other day, thank you, Lord. There's not a person, there's not a God-called preacher who have been called by God who's ever preached a perfect message. When we built this building, I was looking at um, a few things. I said, I was telling Dornell, I said, I'm talking about this, this, this first building over here particularly, and I was looking, I said, you know what they... I said, I see this here and this here. And I was just looking with a different eye and I was kind of critiquing. You know, we've, we've been paying millions of dollars. Y'all ought to, ought to check things out, don't you think? You know, and, and so, so he said, you know what, Pastor? I don't forget what he said. He probably forgot he told me. He said, a perfect building cannot be built with imperfect hands. <laughs> I remember that. If your hands are imperfect, you cannot build a perfect building. If you're a preacher, you, you cannot preach a per- Only one person preached a perfect sermon 100% of the time, and that was the Lord Jesus Christ. That's right. That's, no such thing as a perfect marriage. You can just ask your wife that, your husband. It's you know, we're imperfect. And what God is looking at, he's looking at the heart. 
He's looking at the heart, the intent, the motive. Did you pray? Did you see God? Are you serious? You can't grow being a professional critiquer. That's why there's no revival. You know, you know why people don't get revived in the church? They make faces to show their displeasure. And some even walk out when they disagree, which is blatant rebellion. And it shows no reverential fear and respect for God and his word. In closing, life is too short. Satan is too busy. And the days are too evil for you not to surrender to Christ today. Satan is too busy. Life is too short. The days are too evil for you not to have a genuine personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 10, 13 says, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I end with this question. This was, it was real quiet in here today. I've been, I've been under conviction just preaching these messages on Jonah. Because God has been revealing, and as he's been revealing to me, I've been searching my own heart before the Lord. And when you really search the scriptures in humility, you just cry out, Oh, have mercy on my soul, Lord Jesus. But let me close with this question, this question and we'll extend the invitation. If God were to tell you like he told the king and the people of Nineveh that he's going to destroy you because of your sins, what would your response be? Think about that. God, God, God sees you when you're lying. See you when you're cussing. When you're watching something on cable, you ought not be watching. He sees you in that pornography. He sees you being a homemonger. He sees you with that bad mind. He sees your cockiness, your controlling spirit, your selfishness. He sees your anger. He sees the stuff in your heart, the bitterness and the grudge you've been holding since 1932. If God told you like the king and the Ninevites were told in the preaching of Jonah that I'm going to kill you because of your sins. What would your response be? And all God's children said, let's pray. Oh, God, this message makes me tremble. Father, I've been repenting way back in my childhood. Oh, I, I've gone back as far as I can go. I'm searching every nook, cranny, and corner of my life. I don't have time to be looking at everybody else because there's enough wrong with me. And if the, if the people under my voice were really honest with themselves... They got enough sin issues and problems and hidden stuff in their past. 
that's undealt with, unconfessed. They're not in freedom, they're in bondage. And in in danger of the judgment of God and don't know it. Father, we know when you chasten those you love, we'll realize who's doing the chastening. I pray that revival comes, a reawakening, a spiritual reawakening, come to Maranatha, and there will be contrition and humility. Father, maybe we just need some ashes here, and we all just take off our coats, take off our jewelry, and take off just some of that stuff, and just sit in ashes. Don't even worry about how dirty we get, because our lives have been a mess. Trying to look pretty and we're sinful. Worry more about fashion than holiness. Oh God, search me. Bring it to my attention so that I can own up to it, confess it, and give it to Jesus. We pray. And all God's children said, When we disobey God, we set the stage for our impending destruction. God is our only hope. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. We must walk by faith and not by sight. We must obey God and look to the hills from whence cometh our help. And where does our help come? It comes from who made heaven and earth. If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching or would like to hear this message in its entirety, please visit www.maranathasa.org where you will find an archive of audio messages, service times, directions to the church, upcoming events, and much more. You can also reach us at 210-821-5683. Maranatha Bible Church is located at 7855 East Loop 1604 North in Converse, Texas, 78109, directly across from Randolph Air Force Base.